0: Welcome to the first episode of season two of the How To Grad School podcast. My name is Sarah Davis, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm coming to you today from the unceded territory of the Lekwungen peoples and the Esquimalt and Songhees nations, also known as Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. And I am
1: your co-host, Rebecca Edwards, and I use she, her pronouns. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about help seeking in grad school. We will also read a a question from a a listener um, who is wondering about how to connect with others while doing an online grad school program. Finally, we'll talk about um, a hot tip for building community and connection. So if we're gonna start off today by talking about what we know about help seeking. When we're talking about help seeking, um, I was redoing a little bit of um, background reading on help seeking before um, for our episode today. Um, and I noticed that there's a lot of literature about help seeking in like the counseling kind of area and then but I believe that we're you're talking about something a little bit different. I'm not an expert on kind of help seeking in an academic setting, although I know it is one strategy that students use as part of self-regulated learning. Um, But I'm curious like what you see as maybe the differences or the connections between those two literatures. Perhaps that's a complicated question. (laughs)
0: Maybe it is, but that's what academics love to talk about, right? So yeah, so I think that, you know, as you hopefully know from previous podcast episodes, we really talk a lot about self-regulated learning. And so help seeking is really considered a strategy that students can use when they are working towards goals and they are running into challenges when they are trying to reach those goals. And that comes from Karabenik and Ganita 2018. I think it's something that can be potentially stigmatized in grad school because often there's kind of this idea that grad students should know everything and therefore if you're seeking help, then it might make you question if you should be in grad school or not. And so I think what you're talking about in terms of help seeking and counseling and things with mental health, there definitely seems to be more research on that. But there was one study I was able to find that looked at when do grad students seek help in more of an academic sense and done Rakes and Rakes 2014 did a study of 165 grad students who were working on an online master's degree, and they found that critical thinking, use of self-regulation skills, and age influence whether or not grad students seek academic help. And more specifically, older grad students were less likely to seek help And students using self-regulation strategies and critical thinking were more likely to seek help. And again, this is uh, seeking academic help.
1: So obviously, if you're thinking about like counseling or or kind of mental health, there's like a particular set of people that you might go to for help. With academic help, you might still seek those same types of resources, but there are other people and places that you might go Um, to get help. Am I understanding correctly, Sarah?
0: Yeah, definitely. So I think that even if a grad student or not even if, but when they might seek help for mental health or physical health, that would certainly still be a type of help-seeking. And so um, Makara and Karabenic have a help-seeking framework from 2013 where they kind of break down all the different ways in which you can seek help. And I'll put the link to this in the session notes, because I'll just talk about it briefly here, but it will be the topic of a future blog. And so I think, you know, and so maybe for back to you, Becca, with this is so when you hear this kind of framing of graduate students seeking help, what does that kind of mean to you? Or what would that mean in terms of who they might be seeking help from?
1: when I think of graduate students seeking help, like I think of um, them potentially going to kind of academic support people like their instructors or other resources at the university, like the Writing Help Center, because most universities have one or an academic help center. Um, I also do think about um, seeking like mental health services as like an option for graduate students. And those are all like really formal ways that you might like seek help, like going to people whose job it is to provide help to students. But I think there are other places that I, as a grad student and other grad students would access, like friends, family, um, online communities um there's lots of different avenues for for getting help and I think at the heart of the act of seeking help is first of all recognizing and this goes back to self-regulated learning recognizing what it is that you need help with and then identifying um who you could go to be it formal or informal or um could not even be a person like I tend to think of help seeking as quite like social and with other people but I wonder Sarah could it be an online resource or something like that
0: yeah definitely and I think that's what um, Makara and Karabenic really kind of set out in their framework exactly like you said so there can be different ways that you seek help that you're probably already doing as a grad student you just may not consider it kind of help seeking because of like you said I think most people think of it as you're seeking help from a person in live in real time, which for me can be maybe one of the most intimidating ways to kind of seek help. And I think that's why grad students often don't. And so there's four categories of things you can think about. So what is the role of the person? So like you said, it can be a formal role, such as a professor, maybe a teaching assistant, staff in your department um an academic journal can even be kind of a formal role and then there's also informal such as classmates roommates friends family neighbors you know people that you have kind of more of a casual relationship with but the other part of a relationship that they kind of set out in their framework is that it can be in person but it can also be online or from a course website or from a blog that someone has Wikipedia, a textbook, a chat GPT, or any sort of sort of AI-mediated communication, and then it can happen where you are face to face, or it can be more of an online format, such as a discussion board. It could be an email. Sending an email to someone is a way of seeking help. Uh, you might even be, need to call someone from time to time using Google or any sort of search engine, any sort of site that you're accessing. And then finally, the adaptability of it. So is this something dynamic where you are giving feedback and getting feedback? Or is it static? Are you looking at a book or an article that is a little bit more fixed? And so one of the things I really like about their framework and how it contributes to what we know about help seeking is that it is much more broad than I think we think of. And what that means is I think it gives grad students more options than maybe they think of of how they're seeking help.
1: It kind of seems to me is like help seeking is when you identify that you're experiencing like a challenge episode and you are looking for resources that might help you move out of that that space. So,
0: yeah, so I think that what we know is that there's more than one way to seek help and you're probably already seeking help in ways that you didn't even know were actually ways to seek help.
1: It would be interesting as a grad student to take a moment to think like, what are the common resources that I use? So we have a question from a listener who says they are an online graduate student currently located overseas with a significant time difference um, from the US. So to me, it sounds like this grad student is studying in the US but living elsewhere. Um, So they mentioned that building a community is so important to my success in graduate school, and they want to feel connected and supported, but with the time difference um, and not being in an on-the-ground program, they often feel disconnected and alone. So their question That's the context. So their question is, how do I build a virtual community and connect with my program despite the
0: distance? I think that when I was putting together some of the things for this episode, I thought it was interesting that one of the only studies I could find on help seeking with graduate students took place in 2014. And there certainly may be other ones that are out there or ones that are coming up. But I think that with how to grad school, when we were first starting out kind of in 2020, 2021, we were actually working mostly with grad students who were in online programs who were in this exact same situation as a listener where they didn't feel connected to anyone. They didn't even know any other grad students or how to even meet grad students and often the only person that they were in touch with in their program was their supervisor and they didn't feel like they could ask them questions because they didn't want to bother them
1: i don't think that you are bothering professors or instructors when you contact them because that's their job is to be your professor or instructor so if they're making
0: you to feel like you shouldn't be in contact with them that's not great yeah Definitely. And sometimes that happens, especially if you're only communicating by email. You know, I've definitely had many experiences where emails from professors are probably sounding more terse than they actually are because they're trying to just get a response out quickly. And often that can kind of not land well. Um, And so I think that for this listener, it's really gonna depend on so many different things. Obviously my experience is kind of based with an in-person PhD and I also did my master's in person. But one of the things that I kind of found helpful was trying to make connections at all the different levels that there, that there are in graduate school. So for instance, kind of starting with the smallest circle and working my way out. So, the smallest circle would be either in my research lab or in classes if you're taking a class based uh, program. And then from there, it was the department and then the faculty and then the faculty of graduate studies, um, larger than that, and then the university as a whole. So, I think maybe taking some time and kind of figuring out what the structure is of your program could be helpful for you to identify what are those different levels? And then there are other resources within that as well. So there was the Graduate Student Society, And there were other kind of groups on campus that were also potentially a fit for meeting other graduate students.
1: There's two kind of elements, or there's probably more than two elements, but two kind of broad categories of being, of having a community when you're in grad school. There is this um, piece about having community with your classmates. um, So having like a virtual learning or doesn't necessarily have to be virtual but having a learning community with those that you're studying with and then also this piece about outside of the that university kind of wide connections I'm going to talk a little bit more about kind of the virtual learning community element because I think um, I have a lot of experience designing online courses and working with instructors who teach online and I think that um It is important to recognize that learning is inherently social we learn through social interactions we co-construct knowledge Um, and so even when learning is happening when learning is happening online and that social element is missing it can be hard to connect with the material and connect in with kind of the learning experience i think there's different online courses are designed in different ways, and there's better and worse online courses. I think a well-designed online course includes opportunities for students to build connection and community um, with their classmates. Um, And so obviously, I don't know what your online courses look like, um, but I would hope that you have at least a few well-designed online courses, and I would hope that there are um, things within those courses that would allow you to interact with with your classmates like things like online discussion boards potentially um something like a, a microsoft team space where you could have chats and channels with with classmates um i would hope that you might have um synchronous sessions in uh, video conferencing software that's not always the case but often there are kind of select few um sessions for for a course um and in those kind of zoom sessions or However, the synchronous session is offered. There's often the opportunity to chat um, with classmates. Um, sometimes instructors have turned that off, but um, often instructors will have left it back on. I uh, left it on and I think um, it's important to take a moment to identify like within your courses what opportunities exist to reach out to your classmates and recognize that your classmates are probably all feeling the same thing as as you're feeling and so it might be hard to make the first step and kind of try to have a social interaction when you're doing like a discussion board post but but you could try um to kind of make start to make personal connections with your classmates and I've I've seen situations and heard of situations where students in say um a synchronous session in the chat or even in a discussion board have said something to the effect of like i'd really like to create a study group um, and other students have been really excited to set that up and then the conversations move from outside of the um kind of the learning management system and the online course and they move to a more natural place for um for students to kind of collaborate and create community like like facebook chats and whatsapp chats and um, discord um so I think reaching out to students within your like infusing your presence into your like who you are trying to introduce yourself and kind of make your your virtual presence known within your online course and then try to look for people that might be interested in doing the same thing and pull those people into your own virtual community that would be a big suggestion that i have and i think those connections in your classes then allow you to do what sarah was talking about in regards to um building community outside of the learning community in the classroom space does that make sense
0: Yeah, I really, I really like that answer because I think that it, yeah, it just kind of gives an idea of the scope of options that, like you said, hopefully doing an online program, there are some of these considerations put into place by the professors, but sometimes you do have to take that initiative and put yourself out there and kind of, you know, try to create something. And like you said, you know, maybe see if people want to form a study group or things like that, because what I have heard from some of the grad students I've worked with is that that kind of fills a major gap, which is when you are in an online course and you have a question that you, if you were in an in-person situation, you would turn to the person next to you and say, oh, when did they say that deadline was, or Something like that. And so I think exactly like you said, those those online um, discussions, wherever they're taking place, can really kind of help fill that gap. And especially, you know, this listener says that they are in a significant time difference from the U.S. So um, if we're guessing maybe that there are some of some of the people in your program are maybe also in the same time zone, you may really benefit from something that is asynchronous, but that you can post a question and you know that people will likely respond, or you can respond kind of when you want to. And then the final thing that I'll just say is that, you know, with this program, you know, creating some of those things and doing some of those things that Becca said, you may find that you're not really having face-to-face interactions or kind of real, real world interactions with students, And so what is there in the place that you are located? You know, it can be looking at, you know, again, like a Discord server for maybe the city or the town that you're in. Um, It could be looking on a local Reddit, seeing if there's an expat community or something like that. And so building a community that's not necessarily related to being a grad student, but having things that you are doing or that you can have in your life where they are in person, I think is a really necessary complement to maybe some of those more online, asynchronous discussions you could be having in your program.
1: And I think what Sarah's pointing out is that the virtual isn't necessarily enough. Um, and maybe you will have to look for opportunities that aren't related to your university to create community in your physical location but there are lots of opportunities to do connect virtually with classmates and I I think taking the initiative to to say like hey I'm here and I'd like to connect that goes that goes a huge way and I think that um in my experience people are people are lonely out there as well and they
0: would like to connect And I absolutely agree. You are not the only one who is feeling this way. And by putting yourself out there and taking that initiative, you may even find that there are other people in this exact situation that are you know, benefiting from doing an online graduate degree because many people are doing it for a variety of reasons. And sometimes taking that risk is what can lead to that reward. All right, so we are going to talk about a hot tip for help seeking and also related to building a community. And I think that Becca and I have been kind of talking about some of these things, but because we really talk about how beneficial self regulated learning is, I think that this tip is really focused on. Prioritizing yourself by taking some time to make a list of all the ways that you are seeking help. Um, hopefully, our review and discussion around what we know and answering the listener question gave you some ideas to broaden your perspectives and knowledge and awareness of how you are seeking help. And that, and knowing that it doesn't have to be in person all the time. So, for example, Are you reading Reddit? Are you taking a look at what other people are talking about online? Are you using a Discord server? Are you attending online events that are put on by your program and feeling really awkward and nervous and showing up and expecting there to be a bunch of people and it's just you and one other person. And sometimes it is about kind of putting yourself out of your comfort zone. Are you attending any sort of in-person grad student events that maybe are in your community or any sort of networking event? So you may need to look for language around events that is more about networking in general or meeting people or for professionals or any other words that may be relevant in your own domain or your own field of study. And so sometimes getting help looks like just showing up for yourself and being around others who are in a similar situation. So again, an expat community or people who, you know, other international people who are living abroad or living in a country that is unfamiliar to them. And like I also said before, sometimes it looks like hanging out with people who are not in grad school and don't talk about grad school at all, and you find connections with other things. And I also think that that is just as important as finding a community within grad school as well.
1: And I'm going to throw in a bonus hot tip, which we... I already kind of previewed, um, which is this idea of being willing to put yourself out there, like even online in courses. Um, I'd encourage you to start to develop a bit of an introduction to yourself um, with like a, a picture and a few kind of interesting facts about yourself that you can draw on when you're in online courses um, when when the instructor has an introductions forum. You can just whip that out and introduce yourself, and um, I think more often than not, we're asked to introduce ourselves in um, in very like in a wide array of situations. So having been thoughtful about how you want to introduce yourself and how you want to present yourself, and um, what you'd like to get out of that presentation can be can be useful.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think it's, yeah, it's just like anything. Sometimes you need to plan for situations and you will realize that you needed that information and it kind of helps you take that first step.
1: If, if there's an opportunity, you don't have to be like, Ooh, like, what do I want to say? You're like, I already know what I want to say. Cause I know how I would introduce myself. <laughs> yeah,
0: Right. So when they have an icebreaker and you're already kind of feeling a little bit nervous, you kind of have that, you have that, that you can pull out to introduce yourself right yeah exactly
1: yeah and it doesn't have to be a huge thing but just knowing like what things about yourself you would want to share with someone the first time that you talk to them like what picture do you want to share like I think we spend sometimes spend tons of time like looking for different pictures to figure out which one is the best one so having the one picked out that you're like oh yeah this is a great picture of me and it says this about me um, can be useful So as a preview for our next episode, we will be answering a question um, from a graduate student, which says, I am a first year doctoral student who did their master's degree a few years ago. My partner and I have two kids. My partner is very supportive of my PhD and works full time. Since I have more flexibility, I am taking care of the kids. One is still at home two days a week and in daycare three days a week and one is in school. Biggest problem is getting started on tasks that I need to do. I find it takes me a long time to get started and when I'm home with my kid, I can get interrupted a lot. So often I don't get anything done those two days. I know what that's like, but the three days I do have to work. I find I'm wasting a lot of time because I don't want to get started. or I don't know what to do. I have tried a couple of things that worked in my master's degree, but they don't seem to work now. Any tips to help? Well, I have one child um, who is often homesick. And so I have lots of tips for you.
0: Definitely. Yes, I th- I think you will. I think you will. We'll look forward to talking about that more. So that brings us to the end of this first episode of season two so thank you so much for listening and we look forward to releasing a few more episodes over the next uh, few weeks so please stay in touch you can rate review and subscribe our podcast wherever you're listening so that other students can find out about our work you can also visit our website howtogradschool.com, where you can sign up for our free webinar and newsletter, where we go into more depth about our podcast topics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at howtogradschool.com. And thank you so much for listening.